0: Welcome to worship at Edmonds United Methodist Church.
1: No matter where you are on life's journey,
0: no matter what
1: you believe or doubt, no matter how much
2: or how little you have,
1: no matter your race, gender, or immigration
2: status, and no matter whom you love, you are beloved, belong, and are welcome
0: we say these words every sunday to remind ourselves that even though the world sometimes places limits on belovedness
1: or worth god God doesn't. doesn't so friends welcome
3: good morning And welcome to worship here at Edmonds United Methodist Church. It's a beautiful day and a great day for us to be together. And I would like to invite you to turn around and welcome those that are worshiping with us online. Hello, friends. Welcome. It's good to be together indeed, both here in this room and around the world. I would invite you to fill out the Connect card. It's a QR code in the bulletin. And there are also some physical cards in the pew. That's our way of letting, of you letting us know um, that you're here. But especially if you have any prayer requests. Because we want to be certain that uh, we are able to pray for those during the week. And now, because I neglected to do this earlier, I think we should let you know who we are. Uh, you know, I, I stepped down here and I said, oh, I forgot the candles, oh. <laughs> but hey, oh. we're doing well. So, uh, okay. my name is Donna Pritchard and I'm the pastor here at Edmonds
2: United Methodist Church. And I'm Nora Carlson, I'm the liturgist supporting the pastor of Edmonds United Methodist Church. <laughs> Yes, and
3: it's a great, uh, I really appreciate it. Many of you are gonna be, uh, have the opportunity to help lead in worship as we go forward the next uh, weeks and months. And so when you get that call, um, you can say, well, Nora did such a fabulous job. She gave us a good example, and I'm sure I can do it as well. So my friends today, uh, we did not want this season, to get by us without having an opportunity to honor some very important milestones in individual lives. And so I would like to invite you, if you are a graduate this year, and we're gonna do this um, very inclusively. If you graduated from preschool, I'm gonna invite you to come forward. If you graduated from kindergarten, I'm going to invite you to come forward. Oh, hooray. If you graduated from elementary school, come on up. If you graduated from junior high or from high school this year, please come on up. If you graduated from college this year, oh, come on up. If you graduated from a master's degree or a doctoral program this year, come on up. So, graduations. This is pretty amazing, isn't it? Going from one experience of school and of learning into another. And we want to say that we are proud of you all. And if you, would, if you would join us in the liturgy, please. Good and gracious God, this is your day, Lord. Let, Let us
2: rejoice, rejoice and, and be glad, glad in it. it.
3: Today we mark the culmination of days filled with challenges and triumphs losses and laughter, friendships and growth for those who graduate from one precious stage of life into the next.
0: Thank Thank you God for for gathering us us all safely safely
3: to this this day. Thank you for the gift of family, friends and teachers who support us as we grow. Thank Thank you for lessons learned learned and experiences shared. Bless all those who are commencing to cross thresholds into new arenas of growth, learning, and serving. May they be filled with your love and empowered by your grace, for this day and every day belongs to you. So we we rejoice rejoice and and are glad, amen. Let's give our graduates a round of applause. Congratulations. Congratulations, congratulations. Congratulations.
2: Congratulations. That's great.
3: Congratulations to Congratulations. you. Congratulations, Congratulations. Oh, dear. Well done. Well done. And now, my friends, as we are gathered together on the ancestral lands of the Coast Salish peoples, I invite you to stand and pass the peace of Christ one with another. And the peace of Christ <laughs> be with you all. Also with you.
2: over something very, very important, and that is the call to worship. So we'll be doing that right now. (laughs) Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. We hope for peace in our hearts and peace in the world around us. Now faith is the conviction of things not yet seen. We long to see justice in our midst and mercy in the world around us. By faith, we understand that God created the universe, that God's love empowers not only creation, but also redemption of this world. faith, we gather to celebrate God's love and to live out God's hope for this community this day. For faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not yet seen. Thanks Thanks be to God. Let us worship. Now please be seated.
3: And I would like to invite the young folks in the congregation to come on up and join me. We're going to actually, rather than sitting down, we're going to just walk over here and I'm going to stand on this side. If you'd stand right over there, that would be perfect. Come on down. You want to see it? Yes. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll lift it up. Right now, it doesn't have anything in it. There's nothing in it right now, is it? What do you think might go in this bowl?
1: Water. Water. I think candy will be
3: You think candy might be in this bowl? <laughs> what do you guys think? Water. Why would we put water in this bowl? Because of baptism. Because there's a baptism today. Do you know what a baptism is? It's when somebody puts water on them. That's right. Anybody else? What's baptism? You're right. Somebody will put water on you when you're baptized. Why water, do you think?
4: <laughs>
3: it's because water is very important to us as human beings, isn't it? Did you know you that
1: need water, you're...
3: You do need water. You need water every single day because did you, you know, me. Phoebe, that most of our bodies are water? Did you know that? Yes. That we're made up of water. And that a long time ago, Jesus came to a river and someone put water on him to baptize him as a way of saying... God welcomes you and God loves you forever and ever. There is some water in there. You know, I think you could be right. We're going to put that water in here when we have a baptism. Because baptism is a way for all of us together to say, we know that God loves you and me and everybody, and that when you're baptized, The whole church agrees that they love you too and that they are going to help care for you throughout your life because we are together in God's family. Let's pray. Um, I'm going to say a line and you repeat it after me, okay? Here we go. Dear God, thank you for your love. Thank you for baptism which shows us your love and helps us to remember it all of our lives. And all God's children said, Amen. Thanks so much. Today we have two options for you. The nursery is open and we also have some crafts going on in the chapel today. But you know what? Some of you are also gonna go back and sit with your families, okay? Thanks for coming up. And now, as promised, we have a baptism. We actually have two baptisms. So um, I'm gonna invite you all to come forward at this time. And if your folks want do they want to stand up with you? So we are very privileged today to be welcoming through the sacrament of baptism, Daphne and Phoebe Waldron. And if you haven't yet met this delightful family, they bring their parents here. And that would be Jake and Britt. And Britt, your parents? Yes.
2: My parents are visiting from Wisconsin. This is my mom, Chris, and my dad, Jeff.
3: Chris and Jeff, welcome. So I invite you all to join along in the liturgy. My siblings in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All of this is God's gift offered to us without price. Daphne and Phoebe come now to be baptized. And because of their ages, we ask these questions of their parents and their grandparents as well. And so on behalf of the whole church, I ask you, Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? If so, say, I do. I do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? If so, say, I do. I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior Put your whole trust in His grace and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the Church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races. Will you nurture Daphne and Phoebe in Christ's Holy Church, that by your teaching and example they may be guided to accept God's grace for themselves, to profess their faith openly and to lead Christian lives. If so, say, I will. I will. And now to you, the congregation, do you as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include these persons now before you in your care? With God's help, we will proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ. We will surround these persons with a community of love and forgiveness that they may grow in their service to others. We will pray for them that they may be true disciples who walk in the way that leads to life. Phoebe, guess what's happening now? (laughs) Let us pray. When nothing existed but chaos, you, God, swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow, When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of God's mercy each day. In the fullness of time you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Declare Christ's works to the nations, his glory among all the people. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and they who receive it, to wash away their sin and clothe them in righteousness throughout their lives that dying and being raised with Christ, they may share in his final victory. Amen. Daphne, would you like to come over to the font? Daphne Quinn. Daphne Quinn Waldron. I baptize you in the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, known to us as creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen. The Holy Spirit work within you that you may be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's up to you. It's up to her. Middle name? Uh, Anne. Thank you. Phoebe Ann Waldron, I baptize you... In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, known to us as creator, redeemer, and sustainer. The Holy Spirit work within you, Phoebe, that you may be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. And now it is our joy to welcome our new sisters in Christ. And join me in the response, if you would. Through baptism, you are incorporated by the Holy Spirit into God's new creation and made to share in Christ's royal priesthood. We are all one in Christ Jesus with joy and thanksgiving. We welcome you as members of the family of Christ. Now we have a couple of gifts for you as well. Oh, you did that so well. There's a candle for each of the baptized. And we offer this as a way of helping you to remember that God's light shines in you and through you and that you may let your light shine so that everyone will know that you are a disciple of Christ. We can blow them out now because you may wanna light them again on your birthday or the anniversary of your baptism. And here's a certificate for each of them. And we do have a couple little boxes for the candles (laughs) too. So again, congratulations. Amen. I want to give a brief word of introduction to the scripture before Craig reads it for us. The scripture today will be several verses out of the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Now, we don't really know who wrote the letter to the Hebrews or exactly who the original recipients were. Scholars generally agree it was written to 2nd-century Christians, probably those who were Greek and came out of the Jewish tradition. They think that because it is written in very elegant Greek, and it actually quotes the Greek version of the Hebrew Scriptures. It was written at a time when the early church still expected Jesus' imminent return, but after significant persecutions of Christians had begun. So much of the purpose of the letter seems to be encouragement to keep the faith in the face of difficult times. The author wants to connect faith not to evidence of blessing, but to hope for blessing. Now this is an important distinction for people who are being persecuted. They didn't necessarily see the blessing in that moment, but they were hoping for it. This is an enthusiastic praise about faith, in which the author contends that faith is what gives substance to things which are not visible, nor are they present. Faith makes real in this moment, God's things, which are often thought of as future promises. When the author gives examples of people who lived by faith in the past, the text is telling us these people trusted in God. And it is this attitude of trust that the author suggests will help us to find our hope, not just for the future, but for the here and now. Let's listen as Craig reads the scripture for us.
0: Good morning, Church. My name is Craig Berkby. Please rise in whatever manner is meaningful for you for the reading of the scripture. Scripture lesson today is a reading from the book of Hebrews chapter 11 from the Common English Bible Version. Faith is the reality of what we hope for, the proof of what we don't see. The elders in the past were prude because they showed faith. By faith, we understand that the universe has been created by a word from God so that the visible came into existence from the invisible. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was going to receive an inheritance He went out without knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived in the land in which he had been promised as a stranger. He lived in tents alongside with Isaac and Jacob, who were co heirs of the same promise. He was looking forward to a city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah received the ability to have a child. Though she herself was barren and past the age for having children, because she believed that the one who promised was faithful. So descendants were born from one man, and he was as good as dead. They were as many as the number of the stars in the sky and as countless as the grains of sand on the seashore. By faith, Moses was hidden by his parents for three months when he was born, because they saw that the child was beautiful and they weren't afraid of the king's orders. By faith, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter when he was grown up. He chose to be mistreated with God's people instead of having the temporary pleasures of sin. By faith, they crossed the Red Sea as if they were on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried it, they were drowned. By faith, Jericho's walls fell after the people marched around them for seven days. By faith, Rehab, the prostitute, wasn't killed with the disobedient because she welcomed the spies in peace. What more can I say? I would run out of time if I told you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Through faith, they conquered kingdoms, brought about justice, realized promises, shut the mouth of lions, put out raging fires, escaped from the edge of the sword, found strength in weakness, were mighty in war and routed foreign armies. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. God. Please join in the singing of the hymn of preparation.
3: Seated. Grace and peace to you from God and from Jesus Christ who calls us together this day. Today is the first in a three week sermon series I'm calling Joyful, Joy Filled. The focus is on joy, because joy is, for me at least, central. It is a core element of faith, and it is something we often get wrong. Ross Gay is an award-winning poet who recently wrote a book entitled Inciting Joy. In the beginning of the book, he writes this, Joy is often imagined to be the result of organizing our closets and bookshelves, or getting the new Tesla, or winning the big game, or acing the test, or getting a promotion, or getting our dishes sparkling clean. Joy is often imagined as the result of some accomplishment or some acquisition. Something nice you get out there and do, or something nice you go get for yourself. Joy, the thinking goes, is that room at the top of a flight of stairs that upon entering washes you with clean air and glad music, comfy furniture, and gentle warmth. The joy room, the thinking goes, is snug, with every good and nice and cozy thing. Oh, too, this is important. This sanctuary of joy has a very strong lock for when heartbreak, which it should be noted, usually lives in the filthy back corner of the back room of the basement. That lock is there for when heartbreak gets loose and comes sniffling around the keyhole throttling the door and trying to get in, perhaps in the form of your father dead or your mother despondent or your cousin who got stabbed or your buddy shot to death or your dutiful and troubled mind or your child who won't forgive you or you can't get your medicine or your beloved doggie's cough won't stop or the forest you love has been logged or the school shut down, or another species gone, or it's raining in Greenland, and it hasn't rained where rain is needed for far too long, or, or, well, you get the point. It is a child's fantasy to imagine any emotion discreet from any other. And it is a particularly dangerous fantasy to think of joy as meaning without pain or without sorrow. I think Ross Gay is on to something here. I think he is right that joy is not separate from pain or from sorrow, because joy goes deeper than any momentary happiness. Joy is what sustains us. It is what upholds us. It is what gives our faith and therefore our life its meaning. For joy is the gift of God dwelling within us. It is joy, that experience of God dwelling with us and within us, which enables us to hope. To hope, as Hebrews says, for things not seen. In Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, he tells the story of Admiral James Stockdale. A prisoner of war during the Vietnam War, certainly Stockdale endured a bleak and brutal situation. When asked how in the world he managed to deal with the pain and frustration, the fear and deprivation of that experience, the Admiral replied, I never doubted not only that I would get out but also that I would prevail in the end and turn the experience into the defining event of my life. Collins then asked the Admiral, and who did not survive the experience? And this is his answer, the optimists. The ones who said, we're going to be out by Christmas. And Christmas would come, and Christmas would go. And then they would say, we're going to be out by Easter. And Easter would come, and Easter would go, and then Thanksgiving, and then it would be Christmas again, and they would die of a broken heart. The Admiral went on and said, you must never confuse hope that you will prevail in the end. Which you can never afford to lose, you must not confuse that with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they may be. I think this may be the lesson the writer of Hebrews is wanting to teach us. Joy is not separate from pain or from sorrow and hope real hope is not some Pollyannish rose-colored glasses kind of thing. We think of this passage of scripture as a list of great deeds done by great people, heroes of faith and courage, and we think, well, I will never measure up. I am not a winner like Gideon or Barak, Jephthah or Samson, or David, Rahab, or Abraham. And yet, Gideon was an altogether reluctant warrior who doubted his own ability and constantly asked God to make sure God was leading him. Barak refused to go into battle without Deborah at his side. Now Samson, he may have been a great bodybuilder and a consummate weightlifter, But I got to tell you, he does not come off as the brightest bulb in the box. (laughs) Jephthah, it's true, was a mighty warrior. But he essentially traded his daughter's life for a military victory. Probably didn't make him very popular with the rest of the family. And David was a great king for Israel. But of course, you know, he was also an adulterer and a murderer. Samson, for his part, could not convince the people to let go of their desire for a king. And Rahab, for all the good she did, she gets remembered, what, as a prostitute. It turns out these heroes of the faith are as prone to stumble and fall as any one of us. It turns out what may distinguish them, and you and me, is not the victories we win, but our willingness to get in the race in the first place. These people were not perfect any more than you or I. They simply shared a specific and essential thing. They shared the belief that God is going to prevail in the end and that such a faith should inform the decisions they make and the actions they take. These heroes of the faith and the ones we name in our own circle of mentors, family members, and friends, they all trust that God is the source of life and mercy and loving kindness, all appearances to the contrary. It is this belief in the ultimate triumph of God's realm, combined with a realistic view of the world as it is, which causes us to be joyful and joy-filled, not just for some fleeting moment or a single day, but for the long haul. It is what gives us joy for the journey. Reading Hebrews' list of faith-filled ancestors, it occurs to me that you and I could be on that list someday. You know, we are right now the ancestors of the future church. Does that make you worry a little for the future? When we take our belief in God's love and mercy and grace and combine it with a realistic view of the world as it is today, when we act in accordance with God's love, even when it seems counterintuitive, and when we really understand that joy and pain are fundamentally tangled up with each other. We become the ancestors of the future Church. Again, in Rosgay's words, even more to the point, what if joy is not only entangled with pain or suffering or sorrow, but it is also what emerges from how we care for each other through those things. What if joy, instead of refuge or relief from heartbreak, is what flows from us as we help each other carry our heartbreaks? Which is to say, what if joy needs sorrow for its existence? Understanding that We become not only ancestors, but heroes of the church today. Henri Nouwen once said he received the greatest revelation about faith at the circus. He went to see a German trapeze group known as the Flying Rodleys, and he was amazed at their performance. At the end of the show, he spoke with the leader of the group, Rodley himself, and asked, how are you able to fly with such grace and ease so high in the air? And this is what Rodley told him. The public might think that I am a great star of the trapeze, but the real star is Joe, my catcher. The secret is that the flyer does nothing and the catcher does everything. When I fly to Joe, I simply stretch out my arms and hands and wait for him to catch me. The worst thing a flyer can do is try to catch the catcher. I'm not supposed to catch Joe, he's supposed to catch me. My friends, when trouble comes, When we are faced with the brutal facts of our current reality—a devastating illness or a fractured relationship, the loss of a job or the loss of a loved one, the experience of loneliness or of confusion—when we just don't know which way to turn. When trouble comes, it's tempting for us to try to catch God. We think we have to practice just the right mental gymnastics, do the right praying, do the right ritual, so that somehow we will be able to catch and hold on to God. But it is not our job to catch God. God is the one who catches us and gives us joy for the journey. Thanks be to God. Amen. Oh, loving God, we give you thanks this day for the joy which you give us, the joy which is your gift of your presence, your spirit dwelling among us and within us. Oh Lord, help us when we want to confuse joy with momentary happiness when we neglect to see its greater depth, its complexity, its strength, even as it mingles with our pain and our sorrow. Forgive us when we try to catch you, when we imagine that it's all up to us, that joy is something we can simply go out and buy, or create all on our own. And when we forget, it is a gift of your grace. For those who are suffering this day, for those who are ill and lonely, for those who are confused, for those who are grieving, help each one of us to find a way to accompany and to ease and to share that pain or that sorrow in ways that bring about joy. Enable us to remember that faith is indeed the assurance of things we hope for and the conviction of things not yet seen. For we rest upon your promises, even as we receive your joy for the journey of life. Hear us now as we pray together the prayer which Jesus taught. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come,
2: I invite us into a time of giving. The offering plates will be passed in the sanctuary and I encourage you to be generous as God has been generous to us. If you're online, you may give in two ways. Online using the Give link button at the top right corner or via mail if you wish to, sorry, if you give online, um, please go to UMC. .org/give If you wish to give via mail, please send checks to 828 Caspers Street, Edmonds, Washington 98020. Thank you. We come to you today joyfully bearing gifts. May these gifts be put to good use, like the blessings you have showered upon us and our loved ones. May your generosity be emulated by everyone. We give you these gifts with gratitude and joy. May these gifts be offered freely for the good of others in need. Amen.
3: Have a few announcements in the bulletin and i want to highlight uh just a few of them uh, first of all today after this worship service go get a cup of coffee or tea or a cup of juice or whatever and then come into the uh library um by about 11 15 or 11. somewhere around there and uh spend an, an hour with us as we begin the process of strategic planning for this community as we look uh, forward and as we continue in ministry together. Um, this is a process that is in, um, is hoping to engage as much of the congregation as possible, and it begins today with the first conversation. So please, if you can, plan to stay. Also today at 6 o'clock, you're invited to join um, the uh, youth of our church, uh, junior and senior high youth in an end of, year, uh, end of school year party. It'll take place in the youth hall and in the amphitheater outside, and if you can't do stairs, you can get there by going in through um, over by Kennedy Hall and kind of winding your way back through the, um, the hallway there. Um, So, it'll be a barbecue and potluck and there will be some games and it's an opportunity for us to let our youth know that we truly care about them and we support this ministry. And Angela, is Angela back here? Oh, right here, Angela. Come tell us about VBS, would you? It's not on. Good morning Church. As most of you know, my name is Angela Malloy, and I am directing Vacation Bible School again this year.
2: Uh, It is July 10th to 14th, um, and with the tight time crunch, we need all hands on deck. So we are still in need of some volunteers, and if you have yet to register your preschool to sixth grader, there is still time. Registration will close this Friday on the 30th, so please see me in the back. And if you can't volunteer your time, you can still help us uh, by taking a tag from the wishing tree and donating for
3: supplies. Thank you. Thank you. Also today, um, immediately following worship, I hope you will take a moment to visit the Advocates for Justice table in the Narthex where you will find some information um, brought to you by the advocates for gun safety and gun responsibility. Uh, This is a very important issue for our community at large, and there's a lot of great information there. I think that's it. Now, if you would join us in singing the closing hymn. my friends, let us go out to walk boldly in the faith. For it ought not to be some puny thing. If we believe, let us believe like giants. And may God grant us not only peace, but also glory. Amen.